Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I invite you to turn uh, with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15. We'll be reading there the first 17 verses. Here in this congregation, uh, the Bible's in front of you. That will be on page 1676. Page 1676. And before we read, let's again just ask for God's blessing on our time as we look at God's Word and try to understand it and apply it to our lives today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that long ago you spoke through men and women and had uh, times of intimacy with them, and now through that we have your word in writing, translated over hundreds and thousands of years, but still just as alive and true today as it was when it was first written. We thank you that your spirit is here present, and we ask, Lord, that you lift up our hearts We ask, too, that you will open up our hearts to whatever you have in mind to say to us today, that it may strengthen and encourage us, that it may shape and challenge us, and that we will know that as we leave this place, you have been with us and go in front of us to whatever situation we may face, that we may leave with hope. Hear our prayer and bless this time of this worship service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, how do you measure growth? Now, that can be a leading question that can lead to many different answers. Uh, If you're growing up and have a family, one of the ways that we would measure growth would be on the side of a door frame. And that as the children would grow on their birthdays, we would mark out, okay, what, how high are you now? And we say, oh, look at how much you've grown since last year or a couple years. Other times we measure growth in maybe not such good ways as to what notch the buckle is on or if we need a new belt. And uh, so growth comes in all shapes and sizes. You can also measure growth with trees. Uh, You count the rings. If a tree is cut down, you can get a pretty good idea of how old that tree is. And some years, boy, those rings are real tight and so it probably didn't grow that much. Other times, those rings are spaced quite a bit apart, and it must have grown a lot that year. How do you measure growth? In a way, this ties in well, I think, with what Pastor Steve has been preaching about as he's been saying these last three weeks in regard to the mission statement of our congregation, growing in hope together through Jesus. We do want to grow, but we also want to grow with purpose. And there's many good purposes that can uh, lead, you know, us to get excited that we grow in this way so that we can do these things, that we can be these kinds of people. And so we want our children to grow, not just taller, but we want them to grow in wisdom. We want them to grow in using their abilities and their talents and their passions for good things. We want them to grow in character, and we try to model that as adults. But we, too, need growth, and we, too, need a greater purpose. And so living with purpose 
of growth that leads to fruit. And we'll talk more about what that means in regard to what Jesus is saying here in this passage. Where he talks about, I want you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, let's read this passage from John chapter 15. And please take note um, how many times Jesus uses the word remain, at least in this translation. The older translations used to say abide or some other way of speaking to that spe specific phrase. It occurs here ten times. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it may be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. That's the 11th time that he will be using that specific word. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. What makes this so special is to recognize that Jesus is giving this teaching to his disciples in a very uh, special time. It's really the last night before he's going to be crucified, before he's going to be betrayed, rather. And so on the night that he's betrayed, he's going to be meeting with his disciples for this last supper, what we call the Lord's Supper. And that becomes a sacrament within our congregation, reminding ourselves of how we are connected with Christ through his sacrificed body and blood, and that our sins are forgiven. It's interesting, though, that 
These are some of the last words that Jesus wants to tell his disciples before he dies, before he leaves them. And so while every word of Jesus is important through the Gospels, I think that it's even more important to recognize, I've spent three years with you disciples. I've invested time, teachings, examples, miracles. You've seen me in all kinds of situations, but now I'm going to leave you. And before I do, I want to give you these final instructions so that you won't forget. Above all things, remember this. And then he gives this along with some other teachings in those last hours that he spent with his disciples. And John records that here. Um, roughly the 14th chapter through the 17th chapter are all with this discourse of Jesus with his disciples on the night he's betrayed. More than anything else, what Jesus wants us to get from following him is to bear fruit. Now, you might be surprised at that. Because I thought salvation was about forgiving my sins. And without question, salvation, the good news of Christ, is about our sins being forgiven because Christ gave his life on the cross that we may have life in his name. But in this part, Jesus is focusing on, so what? So you've decided to follow me. So you've decided to accept me as Savior. So you now know that you are my children and you are forgiven children. You have a new identity. So what? <laughs> so what? So it's time to make sure that fruit follows that commitment. It can't be just a matter of something that you process with your head, and even if your heart is in with it, and then that's it. It doesn't show. Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. What's in the heart comes out through the fruit. The fruit of your life, how you act, your character, your attitude, what you do, why you do it, your motivation, your thoughts, all of your plans. That's fruit, for good or for bad. That's growth, for good or for bad. And Jesus says, one of the things, first of all, if you're going to have fruit, and if you're going to have purpose that will last, a purpose that is worth investing your life into, is this. You must remain in me. You will not have the growth that I designed for you and that I have in mind for you unless you remain in me, abide with me. In some translations it says it, to live in me, to, to be close to me in such a way that my life as Jesus Christ is integrated with your life. Paul tries to get it into his mind where he says, you have actually the mind of Christ in you. Now that you belong to him, his mind is in you. His spirit is making his home in you. What this refers to is, is a very intimate relationship that God designs through Jesus Christ to have with each of those who want to follow him. And it's by his design that as we remain in him, 
then we are able to have that impact everything that we do, say, think, dream, plan, all of that. But apart from doing that, you can do nothing. And so some of this, uh, when we count out, you can take a look at that later on, all these different times where Jesus says, remain, remain, remain. It's like he's repeating it 10 times within this short little part, and then he adds an 11th time, emphasizing that he remains in his Father's love. So he's just setting the example of what it means to remain in his love. He knows we are slow learners, <laughs> and repetition is part of learning. But some of that remain is in a positive way, and part of it is if you don't remain in me, that means you're disconnected from me. Maybe you're going through all the right uh, vocal uh, confessions, or you're going through all the right Christian moves, but you have the look, but you're not connected to me. And as that happens over time, your heart will wither, your soul will wither, and your life will be without any purpose, without any fruit that would last. And such a life is tragic. He, he says, it's, it's disconnected from my life that I want to give you. It's, it's worth nothing, and, and apart from me, you can do nothing. So first and foremost, this idea of remaining with him is to recognize that we have a growing dependence on Christ in everything. That we take time to really draw on Christ for his wisdom, for his strength, as well as his forgiveness and his love. That we sit at his feet, as it were, as students. He is the teacher. And through his word and through his spirit, he is teaching us. Therefore, ask not just for forgiveness, but wait for his, uh, for his directions. Be still. We just sang that beautiful song, and it maybe just stopped singing. Because that's what we need to do so many times, is just shut up before God. Be still in my soul, and know that it is well, because he is close to me. He lives in me. I can walk with him, knowing he walks with me and ahead of me. To be still. To remain in him means to learn to trust in him, to rest in him, to ask him for his help, and to believe that that help is given day by day, day by day. So how are you growing? How are you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And is it leading to fruit? Fruit that will last. Fruit that shows that you are walking in his steps. It's interesting that when Jesus talks about uh, this, he emphasizes right from the very beginning, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He's referring to a reference that would have been very familiar to the people that he was talking to, the Israelites and his disciples in particular. Uh, several places in the Old Testament refer to Israel as being like a vine which God has moved and planted in a vineyard. Jeremiah 2 verse 21 states, I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. 
How then did you turn against me into a corrupt and wild vine? Instead of giving fruit that was honorable and glorifying to God, they instead gave fruit that was bad fruit, that was ignoring God's commands, ignoring his love, not walking in his steps. So Jesus says, in contrast to that way of following, I am the true vine, the vine that God intended, and those who are connected with me intimately in this way are meant to be the extension of what God has intended, that you may bear fruit. It's striking to note that fruit does not come on the vine. Fruit comes on the branches. Referring, in this case, to uh, the vineyard imagery, metaphor. That's, that's what Jesus has in mind. It's on the branches. And that's where he includes us to be part of his plan in order that we may bear fruit. God's glory through us. His character through us. Second thing is uh, not just to know that God has a purpose and depend, or rather that we stay in close proximity to Jesus, remain in him, but that second, we would submit willingly to God's pruning process. I brought a pruning shears that I've had for many years. You probably have one at home. You use it on a variety of occasions, maybe on shrubs and what have you. Bought a little, I brought a little bit larger one for, for a lopper. And uh, this would be very similar to what you'd find over in raspberry patches. And they're using this or something else similar to it, maybe in the blueberry patches as well. I could have brought ones with long extensions. I sold my chainsaw. I guess I could have brought that too. Pruning happens in all shapes and sizes, from very small ones to very large ones. Why do we prune? Why do we prune? Because we know it's not enough to just grow. So that if you're at all familiar with grapevines, they will grow for many, many feet in one year. And if you just let it grow and not prune it, you'll have less and less fruit, hardly anything at all as the years go by. In order to bear fruit, you need to prune it. Yeah, ouch. Who likes to be pruned? Because the imagery moves over as a metaphor to us, you and I. In fact, Jesus says, makes a distinction. If, if you're a pretender, you're not really following me, you're just pretending to follow me, someday that's going to show up in a withered life, in a lifeless soul. And in that day, it's a, really a reference to a day of judgment, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. We could say, yeah, okay, okay. But then he goes on, and this is the part where you do say, ouch, because it's talking about us. While every branch that does bear fruit, those who do believe, do accept, remain in his love, want that to change their lives, are committed to walking in his steps, even when we're bearing fruit, guess what he does? Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And again, tying it in, fruit that lasts, fruit that gives God the glory. That's, 
That's sometimes a hard thing to really look at, isn't it? What areas of my life has God pruned? What areas is he pruning now? What areas, as he goes like this, you go like this. You'd really rather not have him get close to you with his pruning shears. It's hard. So in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. More examples could be followed. But it's embracing this life. Do you think that that comes easy or natural? Many of you know that one of the most dangerous things you can do is to pray for patience. Guaranteed, God will put somebody in your life that will drive you totally nuts. You want to pray for gentleness when you'd like to throttle their neck? <laughs> you'd like to pray for love when people abuse you and mistreat you and have no respect for you. What happens? It's not that you aren't loving, aren't gentle, aren't patient, but God says, you can do better, but you can only do it in me. You can't do it on your own. I chose you, not the other way around. And so trust the person who is holding the pruning shears, which is the father, the gardener. And out of love, he takes it close to our lives and prunes those things in our life that we think are maybe even okay. But he says it can be better, and it'll be better for you if I take this pruner to that situation. It's, it's hard. Sometimes it hurts. Those areas of our life that we know we need to change, we don't like, yes, Lord, get those out of there. Prune them out. I'm done with it. But those areas where we've been stuck on that road for so long, we don't know what to do. It's not superficial. It's deep within us. How do I change that attitude? We talk about this holiday truth and reconciliation. It has so many facets because as Christians, we are supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So we should all be about truth and reconciliation all the time with everybody. But does that come easy? I remember it wasn't that much about being beat up that much, but it was enough where I did not like black people anymore after I was beat up by a black person when I was young. It took me years and years and years. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they smell. I don't like what they eat. I don't like the way they dress. Get away from me. Years and years and years that God had to prune that and prune that and be patient and prune that. And then I remember I was at a, a men's conference, uh, Promise Keepers. Some of you who are older will remember such things. A men's conference where they talked about reconciliation. Who am I sitting next to? Black guy. Talk to the person next to you about issues that you might have with racial consideration. I got to talk to this black guy. 
and confess and ask for his forgiveness and ask for his prayers. And he did some of the same to me. In this pandemic, I don't know about you, I'm finding myself becoming more cynical, more impatient, more critical of others, and more easily angered. And I don't pray for the government leaders as I should. Guess what's going to have to happen? The Lord is going to have to prune me and is. It's a good thing, though, that the Lord takes a lifetime to shape us and to prune us. He doesn't do it all at once. Again, how many of you have ever tried to raise grapevines at all? Anybody? Even just as a hobby. In Windsor, we did it. We had an arbor and we had grapevines going over it and all the rest. But you go to a vineyard. How many, of you, how many of you have gone for wine tasting? Come on. A few more hands. And those of you who were too embarrassed that you could be online and somebody see you that you were, yes. Anyway, they tell you about, you know, the vineyards. And, you know, again, these enormous growth, uh, the branches go way, way out. But when they get to pruning, there, there's hardly anything but nubs left. There's just, you know, a straight branch and a few little ones, and that's it. I'm learning to trust in God's pruning. Note that sometimes we want to take the pruner and say, I know how to fix that person. Just let me have that pruner for a little while, Lord. I'll shape him up real fast. I'm glad that the Lord has the pruner and not you. You might let me get away with things that he wouldn't. You might take off things that he would say, no, he's not ready to let go of that yet. I'll take care of it later. Where is it that the Lord is pruning or needs to prune in your life? Not because you're the worst person, the baddest Christian, the worst follower of Christ. None of that but that he loves you too much to let you continue to be who you are. He sees a better day, a day that you give more fruit through your character. I sometimes will talk to people who are in their uh, upper years, obviously more than mine. And so as elderly people, I say, what are you doing to pass on your faith to your grandchildren? Have you met with them? Have you talked with them? Have you told them why this has been important for you to remain close to Christ? Have you talked to them about how Christ has pruned your life, shaped you in circumstances that are very tough to understand? In this world, we will have trouble, but you have learned to trust in the one who said, I have overcome the world. Have you told them about that? Because they need to know. <laughs> For each and every one of us, there are those around us in our circle of relationships and friendships. How can we, in turn, reflect the love of Christ to them? It starts at home. It goes out from there. It starts in your relationship with Christ as you are still before him 
as you relax and rest in his presence, as you soak in his love and his enjoyment of being with you and you with him. That impacts you. It impacts your day. We have to do nothing to get God's approval. <laughs> we can wake up every day expecting that the Lord is walking ahead of us and walks with us no matter what we're faced with. Does that make a difference? Well, does it? To walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Some days are just really hard. And we work through loss, and we look, work through broken dreams, and we work our way through so many challenges in our life. It is not easy to have the joy of the Lord be our strength. But it's still there. He is still the vine. We are still the branches. His life still flows into us. So submit to that area where pruning is needed. Ask for a submissive spirit, a listening spirit, uh, an attitude that wants to grow, wants to learn. Uh, on the one hand, being totally content with yourself as a child of God, fully approved through Christ, and at the same time knowing that he's not done with you yet. <laughs> and so we live in that in-between time. By the way, when Christ is done with you, then he's really done with you, and you go to be with him. Lifelong. Lifelong shaping. So what season of life are you in, in terms of winter, spring, summer, fall? Again, using that metaphor, um, the vineyard, they just hack back those branches to nothing. But they only do that in one season. Then they let it grow and develop, and if there's a stray branch going, well, then they trim that branch. But otherwise, they want that to keep growing because growth will lead to fruit. And then there's this time of dormancy. We're in a change of season with fall, and it's, for many people, one of the wonderful seasons of the year. Just see all the beauty around us. I remember one lady who was uh, shut in in another place, and she says it's one of those depressing times of the year for her because she sees all the leaves fall, and knowing, and this is in Peterborough where winter lasts a little bit longer than it does here, she says all the leaves are going to fall off and they're not going to come back on for another five months. Frost is going to go in the ground four feet. It's just going to look dead. The grass is going to look dead, the plants are going to look dead, everything's going to look dead. And so she says, I find fall... Nice at the beginning, but kind of depressing as it moves through. You might be in a season where there's growth, there's fruit, there's harvest. You might be in a season where things are like a desert, dead, unmoving, not knowing what to feel, maybe feeling numb from loss, pain, confusion in your own life. What season are you in? Know that whatever season it is, remain in Christ because he is using and present in that season. He's using it for growing you up, 
for shaping your character, for shaping your attitude so that you can serve him when the time is right. The fruit will come. The time will be right. Right now, we might not be able to see it, but follow that same metaphor all the way through. Know that in the end, we are friends of God. Jesus says, you're not servants. You're not clueless. You're a part of this enterprise. You are a partner. Paul would later say, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to do his good and perfect will. Work out your salvation because he's at work in you. And so there's no question that when it comes to how Jesus sees us, he sees us as friends. He sees us as partners in this great enterprise. And because we are his children, we can come to the Father with anything that's on our heart and we can ask, we can pray, we can know that we have his attention at any time because he loves us. He always will. It's not a blank check. It's like back when you would write checks. You wouldn't write a blank check to your 10-year-old, 16-year-old and just leave it blank. You fill it out and go to the bank. Nobody as a parent would do that because how would that person know what's the best thing to do? And so some of our requests are denied, delayed, deferred, shaped, changed because our heart, our character, our fruit need to be shaped before we can really have the right answer to our prayers. But those prayers are heard because he loves us, because we are his children. So please live with a purpose of growth, but a growth that leads to bearing fruit, fruit that will last. Stay close to Christ. Submit willingly to the pruning process. Ask yourself what season of life you are in. And then remember that real growth happens with whatever you do comes out of who you are in Christ. Whatever you do comes out of who you are in Christ. Ultimately, God is more interested in our maturity than in our comfort. So the changes sometimes are not always easy. But he is faithful and true. He is patient and loving. The word uh, for patience in Greek is long-suffering. <laughs> Sometimes our Lord is long-suffering towards us as his children. But he does not give up on us. What he starts, he finishes. And so be encouraged. You might be in a season where you're almost ready to give up. It's just like, it's too hard to struggle with these things anymore. It's too hard to have a heart of compassion to other people. It's too hard to have things work out in differences within your family. It's too hard to love yourself to overcome a particular sin and temptation. It's just too hard. God hasn't given up on you, nor will he ever. But he expects you to remain close and for his life to flow through you that will make the difference and allow the change to happen as he guides your life, albeit with pruning shears from time to time. Let's pray.
Lord our God, we thank you that you did not wait for us to choose you, but you chose us. That in your time, you knew that we would come to accept and follow you. Not really knowing all of what that would mean, and even now today, still trying to understand what it means to follow you in every part of our life. Lord, give us moments of reflection. Forgive us that at times we become too busy or too anxious that we, we don't really take time to be still before you. We don't really take time to listen to your voice in our lives. We don't take time to put your word into action. Lord, forgive us and allow us to have moments of solitude with you, to make that a priority so that each day of our lives we may become more and more like you, which is really the ultimate goal, to become like Jesus. Heavenly Father, you know that we face many challenges. We pray that you go ahead of us, that you would keep us faithful to you. I pray for uh, Dave and Gloria as they move uh, to the island. Will you go ahead of them? Prepare a way and bless them through the many challenges and transitions that they will face. I pray for the personal challenges that each one of us is facing right now. Lord, we speak against where Satan would love us to just give up. Why bother the teacher anymore? Lord, put friends around us. Put your word in our hearts. Open up our ears to your spirit to know that we are loved and that we are able to follow you through the life that you give us day by day by day. Give us the joy and hope that we need to do that today and always through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.